Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by Iron Company. Today, we've got Justin Allen in the house. Welcome, Justin, and thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. All right, man. Let me just go into a little bit of background. People are saying, who's Justin Allen? So <laughs> you were a Navy pilot for 20 plus years. Yep. You were part of the Top Gun program. Yep. And you, you were commanding officer of Strike Fighter Squadron VFA 143. I believe you call them the puking dogs, right? Yeah, that's right. World famous puking dogs. Yeah, world famous puking dogs. Uh, did I miss anything? No, I mean, that, no, that's in the, it in a nutshell, uh, if you okay. get that uh, that bare bones. Well, that's a lot. That's enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's as bare bones as you can get right there. I mean, he wasn't just, uh, he wasn't just flying like transport planes, though, you know. Right, right. A fighter pilot, fighter pilot. So, so we thought it would be interesting for you to come in and give us some insight on what kind of training it took to keep you in the best shape possible and how it all tied into piloting a $30 million jet. So we want to get into a lot of the physical aspects, but at the same time, um, we want to also see if there are any mental preparedness techniques or even psych techniques that you can share that may benefit us in our own training. So tons to talk about, but uh, I wanted to ask Jim and Marty, first of all, how do, how do we know Justin Allen or whoever wants to answer that question? Marty, you want to insight. Yeah, good, Jim. Well, we were down in uh, Virginia Beach training some training some special forces guys, and uh, I, I got done with part of the seminar that I was doing, and Justin walked up to me and said, hey, man, you think you can help me with the program? And I said, of course. So, you know, he gave me some of his background and stuff like that and what he needed, and we went over to the whiteboard, and I wrote up the week for him and, and all that, and then uh, when I got back to up here, we just kept in touch, and, I, you know, it, it sort of went into – where I wasn't writing a specific program, it would just be like, he'd say, uh, you know, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? You know, after a while, and Justin's been lifting for forever, they can do that stuff on their own. They, they just, people get stale once in a while. They just need something new. So I think that was yeah. his, in the case of, with his training. And then he took it from there. But, uh, you know, we just become friends and I've been down to see him. And, you know, Justin is, a, he's a unique guy. And I don't want this to embarrass you, man, but uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's very few people I know who have that type of character that, that Justin has. And I'll give you a little example of it. We were down there training guys uh, in the weight room. You know, we, we train them in the morning, we break for lunch, and then we train in the afternoon. And Justin said, man, I'm going to come by and, and hang out with y'all. So no matter what, no matter what we were doing, and Justin's got a family, he's got tons of responsibilities. He always came out with us at least, at least for a half hour just to see us, no matter where we were, he'd come and have a beer with us. Sometimes he'd stay longer. So, you know, but either way, we're in town, he's going to come see us. Well, so I have, I, Jimmy, I have an important question, if you don't mind. Yes. <clears throat> Justin, now that you're retired, how many years? 21. 21. I'm sure it was two or three of the best days of your life, right? <laughs> Just a few. Yeah, baby. Uh, here's an important question. Did they still let you in the officer's club? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> that, I, I, ha I have my own plaque in that thing. <laughs> awesome. And your own mug, don't you? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. But anyway, so one day we're done with our training and we, we had expected Justin to come out with us that night. And I think you got some orders you had to go to another country. Well, I know. You yeah. Did. Yeah. And I see his big F-350 or 250 jacked up pulling up to pulling up to the front of the weight room. And he said, hey, man, I just want to come by and tell you that I can't make it tonight. 
And I said, Justin, all you had to do was text me, man. You didn't have to drive all the way over. It's not like it's next door. And he looked at me <laughs> and he said, he said, why would I do that? So the point is, if he can't make it, he's going to come see you face to face. He's going to yeah. tell you face to face. It's none of this, hey, you know, offhand. You know, these are my friends. They're loyal to me. I'm loyal to them. I'm going to drive out there, tell them face to face. And it struck me as, man, there ain't nobody. There's very few people like that anymore. So it, it yeah, sort of spoke of his character, you know. Let me jump in here for a minute, if you don't mind. Uh, Justin, let's kind of drill down on this thing and get this conversation started. Yeah. What, what specifically uh, pulled you toward our, I don't know, I guess our style, our brand of training? Uh, so it's a, it's kind of one of those things that comes full circle. Um, and, and as we, when we met at that, uh, strength, uh, uh, symposium there that, uh, Hendo had put on, um, I realized that, that the things that y'all were teaching were the, the basics and, and the things that I had learned on when I was in college. Um, I, as Jim mentioned, I'd, you know, I, I've been working out and, and training for sports and things like that since, uh, you know, since I got into probably junior high school. Justin, where are you from? Where are you from originally? I grew up in Tennessee, a little town uh, over in West Tennessee called Humboldt. Okay. But, uh, you know, I'll date myself, uh, you know, comparatively to y'all, uh, you know, that was probably 1989, we'll call it, you know, uh, when I, when I started uh, saying, Hey man, I got to get stronger for, for football and, and, and uh, basketball and, and baseball. And, uh, you know, started walking, literally walking from the junior high school across, halfway across town to the, uh, to the high school where the weight room was. And uh, me and two buddies, you know, we, we teamed up and we were workout partners for six or seven years. Did you guys know what you were doing or what were you guys doing? Uh, you know, we, we, we had, uh, we had some, some decent, uh, uh, decent strength coaches at the time that just focused on basic stuff. Um, and you know, wasn't wild and crazy. It was squat, deadlift, bench press, you know, uh, overhead press, uh, and those kind of things. And, and so my, so that was kind of my base, you know, and, uh, now I can't say that we, we established the, the perfect base, uh, at that age. Um, uh, but we didn't stray from that. Uh, and so I understood those as the core, uh, you know, as the core lifts, uh, you know, fast forward into uh, going to college, uh, ends up being some guys, Mike Wright uh, and Spiros and, and those guys that were working uh, out of Annapolis and, and uh, at the Naval Academy. And they were our, our powerlifting coaches and strength whoa, coaches. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you were at the academy? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh well, remember that, Marty? The the connection. Yeah, with Spiro. yeah, yeah, Spiro. I didn't, you know, I didn't quite make that. Yeah, Spiro. Seven degrees of Marty Gallagher. Remember? Yeah, that? yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, I can't remember. Steve Murdoch was the strength coach. Was Steve still? Yeah, there? he he was. He was. Uh, yeah, absolutely, he was. Yeah, and Steve, uh, Steve was actually a training partner of mine at one time. He had a, he had. Anyway, uh, so then Spiro came on the scene and well, Spiro actually was working at, at uh, Bullis. Uh, he got over to the Naval Academy also, huh? Yeah, he did. They brought him on as a, uh, you know, as a, as a coach. Uh, I, I believe Mike Wright brought him on. Um, and uh, You had a powerlifting team there? 
Yeah, yeah, they had yeah, we had a pretty good powerlifting team. Yeah, and, Naval, uh, Naval Academy's always had a had a good team. They that they send to the Armed Services Joint Championships. Yeah, yeah. So but big, and, big and so the, you know, so those guys continued uh, focusing just on, on on all that same stuff that I already knew. Um, and then as I got, you know, so that continue, they, they helped to refine, uh, the, the base, uh, and, and further build that solid base, um, of basically those three core, four core lifts. Um, and, and ultimately as I transitioned into, uh, the flying program, uh, and, and ultimately into, into jets where, you know, the, the, the machine could always outperform the human because the machine wouldn't break you know the the human is the is the weak element in there um and I, I i realized that i'm like i can't afford to be the the weak point and the and the point of failure in the maximum performance of this airplane um and i said you know i will i will do my damnedest to never get physically beaten like right. that and and so, it, you know, and, and it just happened that the stuff that I was already doing as, as a habit fed into that, uh, fed into that performance. And, and um, you know, and some of the stuff, Jim, that I, that I uh, was telling you about and, and, and how that really plays into that uh, peak performance, right. um, you know, the stamina, the, the time under tension, yeah. um, you know, the, the, just the raw strength of being able to uh, – to, to grip everything and and not let it go, uh, you know. It, you're it, talking it, about flying. flying. I, well, I mean, if, if you think about it, from being under the bar of whatever movement you're doing uh, or flying, it's it's very very similar. Um, and, and so that you know, when when you grab the bar and you go to pull on a deadlift, um, you know, you start from the from the ground up in your tension. And, and, and your pull, well, when you go to pull a whole shitload of G's, seven to nine G's in the airplane, you got to start from the feet up. Otherwise, you're going to pass out because the blood leaves your upper body and you, and you are oxygen starved. You pass out and you stop flying. So it, uh, it's good. Sorry, I want to ask you, Justin. So you, you guys have a suit for that, a G suit, right? But, but you have to do the anti G. Uh, what's it called the straining maneuver in addition to that or does a suit take oh yeah oh no no the 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 suit's only good for a little bit extra um and you know and it's and it's tied to the airplane in such a way that you know if you do something uh a little sudden a, a little faster than what you can react with your body it will help to um It'll help you out if you don't do anything else, but it's not going to overcome the G-forces. You'll still pass out. You still have to physically do all of that, uh, that, that squeezing and straining to keep the blood in your upper body to stay awake. I'd love to That's just back up just a, a minute here. So after the Naval Academy, did you continue training that way? Uh, with, oh, yeah. With the, yeah benches, I, with the deadlifts and presses all the way up until you, you were uh, – you know, the yeah, I, yeah I, well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I didn't, <clears throat> I really haven't, I can't say that I've changed. Um, I can't say that I've changed my routines or the things that I focus on, right. uh, r regardless of where I've been or what I've been doing. Right. Um, and, you know, and, and, and kind of skip ahead a little bit to, to where I met y'all with the uh, strength symposium that kind of re at that point, it reinforced me, Hey, I don't need to 
yes. grossly change what I've been doing and what I've learned. It's like these guys. It validates you. It, 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 absolutely, it absolutely did. You know, and I was like, okay, that that's right on that. I'm still where I need to be, still working on the same stuff that I need to work on uh, because it translates to so many other aspects. And, and, and ultimately that, that base and that, uh, the, that, that focus on those core exercises, um, outlast any faddish, uh, you know, new fangled stuff that, that pops up every other week, you know? Yep. We're still here. Nautilus didn't. And Justin, let me ask you, what was the, the Navy's approach uh, for fitness training for its pilots? I mean, go into that just a little bit. Did they say, okay, everybody needs to, to squat and deadlift from here on out or do certain <laughs> exercises? Or you know, what did they do? No, I swim and jog, right, brother? <laughs> yeah. What it was? Yeah. The, uh, I, you know, I, I wish I could, uh, I wish I could say that that was the case. That was their approach. Um, Early on, the, uh, when, when I first got into the flying program, there was a, a significant focus. Um, and, uh, and, and there, there were some classes, uh, as you were in, in early flight school, there were some classes, not really, uh, in human performance or, or weightlifting classes per se, but there was, Hey, you got to make sure you balance uh, your diet and you've got to eat and you've got to maintain some body structure and, and, you gotta, and, plus, Jason, you got to fit in that cockpit, right? Oh yeah. Well, th those things they'll they'll fit some pretty decent sized guys. I mean, a, a good buddy of mine. Uh, I think he, as we were flying together, he was six five and weighed about two forty five. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Played, played, played played linebacker at uh, at uh, Northern Illinois. Nice. And uh, <laughs> you know, so he he's a big old dude, and uh, uh, he he. Well, you're, no, you're, you're a big old dude too, right? How tall, oh, man, how, how tall are you? Oh, actually, I, I, I would say I'm uh, medium build. Uh, I mean, yeah. about six, six one. I, I think I weighed in at 215 the other day. But, yeah, they haven't really focused in a good while. And because of budgetary reasons, they started pulling back um, money uh, to provide those classes and that education and those kind of right. things. And even when I went through Top Gun uh, uh, in 07, um, we still had a dedicated uh, strength and uh, human performance coach and, and a, uh, a, a physician uh, there on, on the staff. Uh, but very shortly thereafter, they dropped that, that job for monetary reasons. It's uh, so, unfortunately, it's so funny, it's so funny that's because that's believe. the foundation of everything, isn't it, Marty? Yeah, that, it's the foundation it, of, yeah. of anything. Anything is easier when you're what? Stronger. Stronger. Yes. It makes you more resilient, makes you more everything, right? Uh, uh, specifically, did you have any significant changes in your training as you got, got older? How old are you now? I'll be 43 this year. Yeah, so you're still a relatively young guy. Did, you, did um, anything shift as you, as you, as you got older? Uh, I can tell you that as I got older and had lots more responsibilities uh, for – things uh, outside myself that um, my availability to hit the gym the way I like uh, has has been reduced, um, which actually folds in real well with y'all's kind of minimalist right mindset. Um, you know, because starting out, I would spend two, two and a half hours a day working out because I didn't have anything else to do. You know, I didn't have other 
uh, ancillary responsibilities other than myself. And so I could afford that kind of time. Um, and, uh, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed that long, drawn out, hard, uh, work your ass in the dirt kind of programs. Um, and, uh, but then as I, I got more responsibility, uh, in the squadrons and those kind of things that, that time just wasn't there. Um, and, and especially as I get up into, uh, leading the squadron, I mean, there's, you know, the phone's never turned off, uh, you're never off work and, and those kind of things. And so squeezing 30, 45 minutes, an hour, uh, in, in the gym or, or, or pounding the pavement or whatever is, uh, you know, it's, it's a blessing. So you have to, have to build efficiencies and, and, and reduce your, your BS time, if you will. Justin, this ties into why we were originally brought down to Virginia Beach to begin with was because there were complaints uh, that when they were stateside, they had no time and they <laughs> under, they understood the need. They understood the need for strength training, but they just didn't have that two hours a day, five days a week time anymore. And they, they kind of came to us and said, look, can we effectively strength train with next to no time? And of course we said, yeah, absolutely. Because there's, and and it, the system that we shared with them wasn't wasn't diluted or compromised or, mm -hmm. or, or no, this was actually a, a, a strategy invented by world champions, used by world champions. Uh, we just shared that and compressed that, and it turned out to be ideal for time challenged guys like yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Spot on. These guys are so type A, so like like Justin was just saying, wearing himself into the ground because that's what feels good to them. And that's what their personality is telling them to do. But when they see that they just give it a shot, man, if you just, if you just give our program a shot and, you know, progressive resistance and periodize these training, this training for them, then they become believers. Don't they Marty? It's just be like, wow, I was wasting, I was wasting some time and now I'm killing it with a hammer and I'm done with it. Now I can do my own thing. Cause you can't, the, the greatest gift this program gives you is time. You get yeah. time back. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So it's uh, it just takes some convincing, but once they get it, man, they're just like, this is fantastic. Justin. Now they can go do the the martial arts training. Now they can go do the obstacle. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Yep. Jump out of planes and everything else. Justin, what did what did you ultimately reduce your your training schedule down to at your busiest? Uh, I, I probably forty five minutes, maybe thirty five minutes, uh, depending on what's going on. Um, you know, and there are some days busier than others as, as I've heard Marty say, Hey, sometimes life gets in the way. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, like I've got my setup, uh, you know, the stuff I bought from UJP, you know, that, uh, I've got my garage here, you know, and I go to work some days and, and, uh, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my workout in at lunch. And then all of a sudden people walk in my office and boom, I'm at two o'clock in the afternoon and, uh, it, it, life happens, work happens. So I go home and I'm like, all right, well, it's five. We got to be somewhere at six. Hey, I can, I can, I can pop out 35 minutes and still have time to take a shower and get stuff out the door, and you know, crush, so, and crush something. And crush yeah, something. yeah, absolutely. You know, and, uh, absolutely. And so it, it just reduce it down to the, the core lift, you know, squat, bench or deadlift find one, maybe two, um, you know, assistance type things, uh, given what you got in front of you, knock it out and, and be done. You know, you, yeah. you, you get a, a great lift in a very short amount of time. And then, oh, by the way, when you're kind of con 
constrained by that, you can say, man, all right, I'm going to focus for this 35 minutes. And, and you, you lose yourself in that 35 minutes. And all of a sudden you have a great workout in a very short period of time. That's right. Yeah. And, and is that two days a week, three days a week? Well, uh, well I'll, I'll give you, for example, uh, this past week. So here is Friday and I got to hit the gym, uh, once. And, and so again, same thing, I got dressed three different times this week. And then all of a sudden I found myself at the end of the day and, you know, and yesterday I said, I looked at the dude I work with and I said, Hey, I'm going to the gym. Don't call me. I'll be back in an hour and 15 minutes. And, uh, and so I got I over there. You, I bet you tore it up too. Didn't well, you? I, well, I, so what I did was cause I had delayed my, my squat day. I just went over. I was like, all right, here's squats. Uh, and then I supersetted it with what was supposed to be yesterday, my, some upper body stuff. So I just did some dumbbell bench press with, yeah, uh, with the, the power rack stuff. Uh, and then, uh, some other, uh, some resistance band things for, for strengthening some stability, some places I have some deficiencies in, in stability, uh, for, for some legs and then did some overhead presses, uh, with, with dumbbells again. Worked the heavy bag for several rounds and left. Love it. Beautiful. Man, that's the perfect workout if you ask me, man. You know, <laughs> hey, Marty, the dumbbell bench superset with the squat. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Perfect. Why not, right? Perfect. You can, uh, we also yeah. like 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 squat leg curl calf raise. Squat leg curl calf raise. Squat leg yeah. curl calf raise, right? That's a great one, too, for yeah. fine compression. Yeah, absolutely. No muscular <clears throat> conflict. Right? That's what you're looking for. So that, but, that, yeah. that's, so, that's great. Yeah, and in that, you know, I got my – two workouts in that I had been kind of slow rolling because work got in the way. So I just got them both done in, you know, same hour time frame that, uh, you know, that I had available. And then I got home and did baseball with the kids, you know? So, yeah. um, <laughs> you sound busier now that you've retired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we, we got down here and, uh, you know, we're like, man, what are we going to do with the kids sports? And, uh, you know, cause it's hard to get into travel ball and stuff like that. And my oldest one is, has become a really, really good utility baseball player. A lot of different positions, hitting the ball well, pitching, all that kind of stuff. How old? And, uh, he'll be eleven this summer, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and it's and it's all self-driven. You know, it's it's not me. You know, granted, I help him train and, and push and, and and offer the opportunities to get better, but he's he's the one that's doing it. I'm, and it's it's so cool to sit and watch yes, that. It is. It is. And uh, you know what? He sees what you're, you train in all his you life, did. man. He, he just yeah. thinks that's part of it. You know, that's part of life. Some, sometimes, yeah. sometimes, Jimmy. I'm saying his son. Yeah. No, I'm saying, and yours too. I mean, you guys have a commonality here, right? Yeah, yeah we got two boys. Well, how many kids you got, Justin? Two. Two. Nine, nine, and, nine and 11. Yeah, so I'm 14 and nine, and it's the same thing. I mean, uh, plus it's a bonding activity. When you're out there on the baseball field with him, man, you know, he sees you there. That gives him some confidence. It's it's approval from you, also. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and, you know, and that and, and another point on that it, with with him doing this kind of self motivated, getting better at, at baseball, and me not having to kick him in the ass to do it. You know, that's obviously that's that's him doing it. Um, but at the same time, when I get out there with the the him and his buddies, and we start talking about what to do, my training allows me to stay in it condition and shape that i can show them what to do yeah i can do it not not just say hey here kid here's the way it's supposed to happen it's you know it's like hey let me show you what you know how to throw how to run how to how to hit 
all that's that kind right, of stuff. That's you know? right. That's right. And, uh, and you know, and that's you know, we've had kids a little later than than most, which is which is not a big deal, but it, it requires that you know I'm going to be a little older than probably his buddy's parents, right? And but I'm still going to be performing and doing stuff and and able to coach and show and demonstrate. Yeah. Not being, like I said, not being the one sitting on the seat going, "Hey, kid, you're supposed to do it this way." Uh, it's a no, shame. no, no, you're still not doing it right. Yeah, you know, well, yeah. and it sounds like it worked out perfect with your career too. Uh, it hit, it did, uh, and I, uh, with, with that respect, I'm I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to do the stuff that I have done uh, in my career. But I can tell you, if I'd had kids uh, along the way, like uh, a lot of my other buddies have had. I don't know that I would have been afforded that, uh, that same, uh, those same choices, uh, you know, being single and, and not having uh, the extra stuff. I, hey, we got to go on deployment again. Yep. Cool. Pack up. Let's go. Yeah, um, you know, or hey, we, got this, we got this other job and you're probably going to be gone a lot. Right, well, no, I got all this stuff at home. Like, you know, I could, I could afford to say, yeah, sure. I'll go do that. Um, and so, so it, it, it's all worked. It's all worked out very, very well in terms of timing and, and, uh, you know, Hey, I, I rode the train for a good long while and, and, uh, we did a lot of work in, in various places. And, you know, it, it, it's at a point where, you know, at the, at the juncture in my, of my life, it's a nice opportunity to say, you know what, I'm ready to be dad and, and do this stuff and pass on what it is I know and, and understand, you know, now your wife was no slouch either. She's a, wasn't she a helicopter pilot in the Marines? Uh, she was a helo pilot in the Navy. Yeah. In the Navy. Okay. Damn, yep. Really? Yep. Yeah. So she understands stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's if what I could do with those genetics, huh, Jim? Yeah, man. Well, what could you do? <laughs> My mom, God bless her, she ain't piloting anything. She's not piloting a jet or a or a helicopter or anything. But I love her dearly, and that's all that matters. But Justin, uh, Justin did you know um, Ted Herring out of Pax Naval Patuxent? Not uh, not off the top of my head. I can't say that I do. Ted, Ted was a fighter pilot instructor. And uh, he was a he was a big power player in the Washington D.C. scene. And Spiro uh, knew him. What's Spiro's last name? Shock Shockinitis. Right? I, I could never pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. Shockinitis. I believe Spiro's in Florida now. I think he's uh, working with the public school system. I think he's actually weaselled his way into teaching powerlifting in public mm-hmm. school. It's like. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's a good thing, man. You know, he did it and he was at Kent Island High School for a while and he did it there. And so I'm sure that he could sell that better when he got when he got to Florida. But, you know, he had his own organization for a while. The, uh, the he's, a good, he's a good guy. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so so that, that that that's interesting. Well, let me ask you this, Justin, if you had advice for young pilots coming up. Right. In terms of. Uh, the physical demands that they're going to be faced with, how would you set up their training in terms of, of, of resistance training, cardio, diet? I mean, what advice would you give the, whatever, the 22-year-old guy coming out of the academy? You know, what, what, what would be your sage advice? Uh, for, and I, I used to give this same line to a lot of young guys, 
you want to party now or you want to party later? <laughs> and, you know, you want to party now, you're not going to make it long in the, in the community. But you want to party later, you better put your work in, uh, prove yourself, and then you can enjoy the hard work and the partying later. Um, I can tell you that I didn't always have that balance, uh, but, uh, and, and luckily I had some good folks, uh, around me to help keep me in, the, keep me between the ditches, if you will. But, uh, uh, I, you know, in terms of, uh, physical training, uh, you know, it, it's going to start with those core lifts. Um, so, uh, establishing yourself and, you know, young. And, and, and again, the, the strength is important to the pilot in flight. To, to what, to resist the pressures to yeah. I mean, what? Absolutely. You know, and, uh, yeah, it's whether you're flying the, the little small, um, uh, trainer, uh, that, that we, that the Navy, uh, and air force all start on right now. Um, it, even those airplanes can still pull a lot of G's, not like a fighter jet, but they, they will start to, uh, acclimate pilots to putting forces on on their body that they normally otherwise don't get and however being, being strong allows you to resist those forces yes absolutely uh, okay. it, it allows you to turn your neck uh a look behind you uh, while you have multiple g forces on you rather than just i didn't even i didn't even think of that it's hard when you have a 14 inch neck right yeah yeah if you don't if you can't well i, I mean i i had a a guy that worked for me that uh her, got his neck broken literally three oh. um and he started creating some atrophy on his uh, uh on i think on his left side from nerve problems but we sent him home from deployment and he had three three vertebrae that were cracked and broken um and uh you know it, and it's no no fault of his own, but the gear and stuff that that we wear was overwhelming his body, right, right. Uh, and his body structure. Um, Does a guy like that just not do any resistance training? Some of the guys are into it, like you were. Some of the guys are like, eh, I, I would say, you know, he he did he did some things, but not at the level that that I did or that I promoted. Right. Um, you know, because you, when you take, so we have a couple of different helmets that we wear. Uh, one of them just kind of bare bones, the old school, what you see in the movies, you know, just a regular helmet with a visor. And then we've got this computerized helmet that's got sights in it and all this stuff up on top of your, your head. And what, what it is, is, you know, when you start doing all the same maneuvers with the same G forces, this extra weight up on top of your head is, additional weight that your head was n otherwise not used to um and so when you start moving around looking for the for the other guy under loads you're now really putting a lot of torque and stress on your neck and your yeah. spine you, and you know, uh, you, it, just i don't mean to interrupt but i am gonna interrupt. you know who else <laughs> has these you know who else has these same issues and these same problems and ha and go to the trouble to hire personal uh, professional trainers, Formula One race drivers. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. Absolutely. It's it's the exact same stuff as watching those guys on the on the high, either high bank tracks or going around the 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 flat uh, road courses super fast. It's same same concept. Exact same concept. Except, except they don't have to deal with up and down and, and over right. and all that stuff. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. So your, yours is even multidimensional. Yeah. Yeah. Justin and described so, me. He said, uh, here's what it's like when you're locked in like that and you got to use all your strength. You said it's like it, coming out of the bottom of a squat and having to sit there for, you know, 100 for two minutes, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, imagine. That's, that's imagine. That's great. Yeah. Just imagine. And, and, and it's, and I'm glad you said that because I've, I've flown, uh, I've taken guest, uh, guest, uh, flyers, you know, non-military people or non-pilot people, uh, in the military. I've taken them flying in the back seat before. Um, some have had some weight lifting. Like I took, uh, uh I flew the, uh, the Miz from the WWF. Uh, I took him on a ride when they were in town doing a salute to troops type of thing. And, you know, him being a dude that's done physical training, I'm like, all right, here's, here's what you're going to understand. When I say that the G-forces are coming on, imagine that you are starting at the bottom of a squat. You have, you have not gone down to, to create your load. You're starting there. Dead stop. And, and you're not going to come off of the bottom of the squat, but you can't quit because you're going to pass out. So I said, when I say the G-forces are coming on in three, two, one, when I hit one, you you squeeze your feet, your calves, your quads, your hamstrings, your glutes, your abs, and you take a hard, deep breath and get ready to create pressure. Ooh, wow. And 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 it's not and do not release it. You know, uh, you know. Granted, there's a little bit of a breathing technique that goes with it, but I said that's how it starts. And if you don't do that, the blood's going to end up in your boots, and you're going to pass out. And uh, swimming and jogging ain't going to help that. No, not not at all. Not not only do you have to be strong, but you have to have a certain level of endurance. This sounds very physically exhausting. When you guys yeah. when you guys land, you must just be worn out, like you just got done working out. Oh shit, yeah, it, it is. I mean, when wow. we go out and you go out and do uh, not not every single flight's like that, but there are certain uh, certain things that we train to. Uh, you know, fighting one v one against another guy. You may only be out there for 35, 40 minutes, but it'll it'll be like doing a two hour workout in the gym. Absolutely, it is. It must be and, like, uh, like being stuck in a dryer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it is it is a lot of of a lot of round around, a lot of g forces. Rolling um, and tumbling, rolling and tumbling. Yeah, yeah. Every, yeah. every hanger should have a squat rack and a deadlift. Uh, yeah. Hey, I mean, it's so important. You're at the bottom, you're pulling that bar <laughs> off the floor, and you got to hold it there. You know, six inches off the floor for two minutes, or you're coming yeah. out of that squat and holding it. I mean, I'd be just like, okay, first thing we're going to do today is squat and deadlift, and then well, we can work. You know, I, I, I got a quick question. Do you? Th what do you think about isometric and isotonic training? In other words, do you think that that would have value? Uh, pure isometrics or, or you want that, you want the movement involved? Uh, you know, I think the movement aspect is better because uh, while that will, it will get at um, similar, it, it'll get to similar ends. Like you still have to be prepared to move inside the cockpit with that load yes yes um because it's not you know imagine sitting in you know imagine sitting in your chair and all of a sudden going from 200 pounds to 1400 pounds worth of weight Whoa. you know uh, and you have to be able to reach up and and grab a hold of something twist yourself around to look behind you because that's where the other guy went you can't just stare straight ahead in a one-dimensional 
plane, uh, you have to be able to look behind you, look above you, look below you. All the while, this this load is there. So you still have to be able to move your body with those mm -hmm. kind of loads and yeah, stuff. Right, so right, 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 um, right. not to say that, 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 that those won't help you, um, but you still need to, you, you still need to move the bar from the bottom of the deadlift. You still need yeah. to create your load and tension going down to hit the bottom on the squat and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Justin, you flew a uh, F-18, right? Right. So do the newer planes, do they make it easier for you to, uh, don't they have cameras around them and stuff? So you, you're not finding yourself looking, having to twist your head so much. You kind of have a better bird's eye view of what's going on around not, you. Eh, no, not so much. Uh, you know, regardless of technology, uh, you're never going to, uh, you're never going to replace uh, the visual acuity of a, uh, of your, of the human eyeball, um, and, and the processing power of the brain. I mean, computers can do a lot. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and they can provide you with some, uh, some assessments and indications that you may not otherwise see. Um, but we're not quite there yet. Although I, I wouldn't, it passes it will will develop something that can outthink a person however computers at this point and and things they're only ones and zeros they can only think about and and do what it is you've told them to do and so the brain like us having the ability to learn tactics and and understand the assumptions behind what we're doing well when i find myself at the snap of a finger in a situation that doesn't meet all the assumptions uh, for for what I've read. I've just got to make the best decision I can. Improvisational, and, improvisational thinking. That's absolutely, yeah. absolutely. You know, it goes it goes a lot into the you know you, you asked about it before some of that the psyche stuff and the preparation and those kind of those kind of in, things. In addition to squatting and deadlifting, we're also going to make them become jazz musicians. Right? <laughs> you know, hey, I, that, it, the martial <laughs> arts that you've done and i know you really got into it right before you came to tennessee you had a great yeah. i spent a lot of time with him um that was a muay thai and jujitsu thing or that was yeah. just uh, yeah. uh, uh there in Yodo where where i was working out was uh uh his kickboxing uh and and uh some muay thai uh style he, he, actually his kickboxing had had all kinds of different uh it like a jeet kune uh, do, do, do almost where he took a lot of different styles he did he yeah. had he had a lot of different stuff you know and, and, and it was i i hate not having access to that anymore um how, how did that help you as a pilot when you were doing that i know you just like to do it but when you saw the benefits what were the benefits of that type of training uh you know it it, it brought back um it brought back some hand-eye coordination uh, some some snap uh, snap decision. Uh, it kind of refined some of my snap decision making. Uh, you know, just like no, we're, we're talking jujitsu. No, no uh, kickboxing, kick, kickboxing, Muay Thai, and some jujitsu too. I, I would do that a little bit when I had the opportunity. But in your, you're talking your stand up, and your stand up, your re, your reaction times would improve the more you did your stand up. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. Oh, Absolutely, it's perfect. it's perfect. Get strong, and and then you got your hand-eye coordination stuff. You yeah. really don't need much else. I mean, you know, the hardest thing to do—it's like climbing it, running up a mountain—is to do Muay Thai for three-minute rounds. For I mean, even a few of them, man, is brutal. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Was, was that any sort of a requirement from the Navy for the pilots that uh, you do some sort of combat training like that? 
No, it it was something that uh, that I picked. I, I had picked up pretty, at the it's academy. Pretty it's pretty popular in that community. Sure. <laughs> well, uh, you know, th- there are some, but but not uh, not as much as uh, you know with the uh, you know with Hendo and those, and, Yo, those, and, guys. and those guys, you know. But uh, but I've 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 always done it uh, a little bit. You know, we did did a lot of that stuff uh, uh, through the Naval Academy. It, some a lot of it was required. Some of it, you know, kind of stuck. Um, and and I've touched on it off and on uh, through my career. Um, and uh, but I, outside of work, I didn't have a whole op- lot of opportunity to to really focus on it. Um, and uh, but once I got back from that last deployment, I was like, man, I'm I'm going to turn my focus to some other stuff, you know. So um, that was. Did you did you utilize your combat training and stuff like that as um, you know your your cardio as well? Was that your cardio training that, and that that became uh yeah. rather than just going to pounding the bricks in a one-dimensional running right. um you know it became my you know hour three days a week four days a week uh cardio training cardio. absolutely there you go uh, and, and so it, it, that that's really what i wanted to uh, to use it for how important is cardio capacity in the cockpit for what you're doing uh, it's it, it's it's uh equal to to the strength um, but I'll say that you, you know, the strength training that I did and the, the uh, and I had, I've typically used a good deal of volume rather than just a single one rep, uh, a two rep, uh, type of, uh, uh, max because w- building that strength, uh, with the volume also builds the stamina and that cardio capacity. Uh, Also, this is the type of cardio. It's not steady state where, you know, a guy goes out and and jogs and tries to keep his uh, exertions to a minimum. This is more like burst cardio. Oh, yeah. And he's pushing his anaerobic threshold, you know, to the max. And each time he does it with the kickboxing and with this type of training where you're moving fast from set to set and moving your reps fast, that raises that anaerobic threshold. So he's got longer to go than the other guy who won't do it. Yeah. Before his legs start burning before his yeah. lungs stop burning. Or the other guy who can run a marathon on a flat surface. Right. But put yeah. any kind of grade into the equation and all right. of a sudden they're, they're, they're weaklings. You know, yeah. it, it goes against the law of specificity to do that because you're, you're not asked to do that in the cockpit. You're not asked to do slow. I'm not talking about the Kenyans now. They're absolutely very fast. But you know, you're not asked to shuffle along for, for mileage. You know what I mean? You're asked yeah. to, man, I got to hold this, and I got to be able to, you know, have this cardio capacity, and I got to yeah. do you know, It's just, it's just. Well, you know, and that's, you know, when, when we talk about, you know, putting the G-forces on you in the cockpit yeah. and things like that, it's not just an all or nothing. It's not, hey, we're fighting until we're done, and I've got to maintain – you know, X number of minutes worth of it. It's an off and on and off and on because you, you know, depending on what you're doing, how many people you're up against, you might have to fight for two or three minutes real hard against one dude, or you might max, you might outperform that one really quickly, take care of him and have to turn your focus to somebody else. So in between, you know, you're back to one G, you know, you're in a recovery mode, you're uh, less loaded, but you're thinking and reacting and then you put it all on again. So it's a, it's no kidding, like going from one uh, top set to the next top set and, right. and that kind of thing. So you have to, you, that, and that's, that's a lot of why I always conti- uh, continue to carry the, uh, the volume training through um, throughout my career was because, you know, you've got to be able to deal with that time under tension, whether it's time under tension for a, 
a set of eight in the squats or deadlifts uh, or whatever, or uh, two minutes or two and a half minutes worth of uh, G forces on you, you know, before you reset and do it again uh, and that kind of thing. So it, uh, again, it's, it's uncanny the, the parallels that that kind of training and, and performance in an airplane like that uh, has. Burst I don't rest, understand why the Navy. Go ahead, Mark. Burst, rest, burst again. Yeah, exactly. Um, go back to the advice to the young pilots. And I know that you can party now or party later, but you know, how did you stress the importance of the weight training to them? And, and absolutely, you know, yeah. absolutely, you know, um, and, and I took, uh, I, I found myself very fortunate to be in a peer group uh, when I was, you know, uh, finishing flight school and, and uh, getting into uh, flying the Hornet that, uh, there's a group of us that were very, were athletes and had, had that background. So we didn't have to teach each other that kind of stuff. So as I found myself in the same squadrons with some of these guys and new guys came in, we would teach them that kind of stuff and like, Hey man, you got to go get in the gym. You got to, uh, come here. Let me, sh let me show you this stuff here. Here's, uh, you know, provide programming to them. Yeah, and do then this, do this. Don't waste time with that. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of it, you know, and, uh, and and so that's the kind of stuff that I instilled, you know, and uh, e even now we've had some, you know, uh, had a significant change in the, uh, I guess, change in the scene of people, if you will, uh, and the and the type of people that are coming in and what their backgrounds are in terms of uh, physical conditioning and. There are many times. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? I, you know, just I, I'd say it's a, a difference in um, the societal norms of physical training. What's that? Not an athletic background. No, yeah, not not an athletic background, and and just you know, it's a change in in uh, in in I guess kind of the demographics of who comes in to to the flying program these days, um, and uh, and so there's a lot of them that that don't have necessarily athletic backgrounds some do but but not uh with uh, a significant strength training regimen uh in in as a base uh and i've noticed that over the last probably 10 years and uh but i've continued to try and reinforce that hey get out of the you know you're done with work go work out go hit the gym go don't run for 18 miles and expect to get stronger it's like go hit the gym and and do something with some weights and it doesn't have to be super heavy it just has to create tension on your body and here you know and here's an example um and so i i'd, I'd offer that stuff to them and sometimes i'd hammer the shit out of them to to force them to try to do it um and uh you know Go ahead. Has it become tougher to deal with these guys culturally? Because culturally we're evolving. And just like physically, you know, we're all becoming sedentary with video games and computers and all that. But things are changing culturally and politically and all that. Uh, is, it, is, it, is it more challenging for the new guys that come in, for you guys, the senior guys, to really, you know, grab these guys and take them under your wing and just – uh, start training them and, and bringing them up to the, up to what they need to be. Um, so that, that's, that's hard to say because, and, and I can only offer the opinion uh, from, 
from my view or my me and my peers' view, uh, because we haven't been through a a change. I would I would venture a guess though that there were old guys in front of me saying the same shit about it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, uh, generations of music. Yeah, right. our parents point. wouldn't listen point. to our stuff, and yeah. we wouldn't listen to theirs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Back, back when we flew P fifty one Mustang, yeah. we didn't yeah. have these problems. <laughs> Windows open. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I could only imagine that there that there was there were guys out in front of me that uh, that, that were saying the same stuff. Um, I will say that uh, I do believe we were. Uh, uh, we, the guys that I grew up with, and I think because of our, our shared mindset of, of being athletes and, and wanting to maximize our human performance, we did a lot more listening and absorbing, uh, and making sure we understood what they were getting at vice, maybe assuming that I know what it is that I'm supposed to be doing or, or, or how to do it. Uh, that there's a little bit, there's a difference, I think, in the assumptions that go into people in, into into folks' mindsets right now, um, and uh, so I think that's the biggest difference. Uh, but I can tell you that there there are young guys that that perform well and have a a steep learning curve, um, and I can tell you that I I didn't I didn't cut anybody any slack uh, from the early two thousands uh, or or the guys that. There were young new guys in my squadron uh, last year. I, I I trained them exactly the same, um, and and I saw, and all all in between. And I've seen results in performance um, from that. And the ones who grabbed that uh, expectation and 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 achieved those results have done well. Um, so you've got all that that empirical experience and you've got the credentials and the street cred that these guys will listen to. Yeah, it probably so. Um, but it, you know, kind of like if you go back to, you know, the, the, the history of, of the programming and the, and the, the physical training that we talked about, uh, the longevity of that, I think the longevity of the techniques and approach to, flying training that, uh, that I learned, uh, you know, ha- have been proven. And so they've been carried forward and those who can grab it and, and understand it and want to get better at it, they do. And those that don't, well, they're sitting by the wayside, you know, that's good stuff. How about, how about mentally? We're talking about, uh, you know, all the, the physical stuff, you know, talk to us about some of the, 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 men- the, the mentality that, that uh, you have to train yourself or you have to get ready for. I mean, you've done some, some missions out there, some things that uh, had to scare the hell out of anybody, really. I mean, as good as you guys are, uh, it's got to be scary stuff going into some of the stuff that you've done. How Talk to us about some, um, I don't know if you guys meditate. How do you get ready mentally? Are there psyching techniques? And I, I want to see if there's anything there that we can kind of apply to what we do in the gym, because we're always talking about psyching techniques and everybody's mm-hmm. different in their own way. So tell us about some of that stuff. Well, uh, it, that's another uh, very, very similar parallel. Um, and Marty, I know you know Kirk's uh, rhythm. Can, can you, could you in a very short 
sentence, talk through Kirk's checkpoints of what he does before he approaches the bar? Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty simple. He achieves the mind of no mind. He achieves a fierceness. Uh, he gets so, he creates a mental hurricane, psychological violence, and he channels that. And I remember being backstage at uh, one national championships and we, Kurowski's psych routine would be 10 steps in one direction, turn, 10 steps in the other direction, wearing the Walkman over and over and over and over and over and over. <clears throat> we're waiting, we're waiting. It's, you know, we're, we're gonna go out for some world record attempt. People would wanna come up to him and, they, and we'd have to hold him away. I remember one instance, tears were coming down Kirk's face. And somebody said, oh, he's, what's going on? He's so sad. And I said, no, those are tears of rage, brother. That's destruction. Stay away from, yeah, that's just stay away from that Viking berserker. Uh, and, and that, I think, Justin, that's, that's great stuff for short-term, small-duration stuff like we do. We, our event, I mean, how long does a, a limit lift last? I don't know. 20 seconds, 30 seconds. That's different than when I talk to um, some of the operators where, you know, they have to be in a gunfight that might last whatever, three hours. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, and it's, it's, more, it's more of a sustained psych instead of a, a, an enraged psych that you can mm -hmm. cut loose on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and so, but, but what, what I was getting at there is, is even once that psych is, is there and then, you know, Kurt's called to the lift. From the time he's called in, every step is exactly the same. Absolutely. Correct. You know, and so, so that's that's you know the the mental piece, just the psych buildup, but then the repetitive yep. uh, steps to get to the bar and achieve the lift and be done. You, you, you use all the same. you use physical physicality to create a trance state. Yeah, and so and so ultimately, uh, you know what everybody has their own uh, from the pilot side of stuff everybody has their own routine everybody uh and i i can tell you that we brief the mission we go to the airplane to launch we fly the mission we land and then we debrief those are generic steps that happen every single time so i built my routine where depending on what my role was uh, in in the mission Prior to it, you know, I had my, I would eat at this point. I would uh, uh, prep for the flight at this this point. Mm -hmm. uh, I would walk in and either give the brief or listen to the brief. At this point, I would come out of there. I would have one last cup of coffee. I would go to the bathroom. I would grab my bag. I mean, just very chock block, repetitive. Checking stuff. your equipment, checking your equipment, checking in, your equipment. In exactly the exact same steps every time so that I, without thinking about it, knew if something was off and then go fly. And so when, when you get some of those basics down to a non-thinking habit pattern, you buy yourself decision space and you buy yourself ability to deal with things that you couldn't plan for and you couldn't prep for. If you're having to think about doing these little minute basic things no. if you have to actively think about it you're losing bigger picture stuff yeah. and and so so it, you know you, you just build that into 
oh shit, I didn't do this in that step. And it's, it's a little bit of OCD, uh, personally. Uh, but I could rely on myself to be able to habitually get through all these things without thinking about it, but recognize when something was off and then build myself the ability to deal with external things that I didn't know were coming. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ability to, uh, to improvise, to, 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 to make instantaneous small adjustments. Yeah. Now, was, that, was that taught to you or was that something you came up with? Uh, it was, it was something that I, I honestly, I can't tell you. Uh, it, it was one of those things that, uh, that I, I've kind of figured out and it might've been from talking to some old guys um, they had their routines. Yeah, they, they had their routines and and such, and um, it was one of those things that I, I started to develop a better situational awareness uh, when I could put certain uh, aspects of prep and flying uh, into automatic mode and not have to worry about them, yeah. but knew that they were being accomplished. I'm like, man, I'm a lot more efficient. Uh, I know what's going on. I can listen. Uh, to the radios and build the picture in my head of what's happening, even though I can't see it. Um, but when I'm, and, and we call the, you know, when, when somebody is not able to do that, you say that they're, uh, they're behind the airplane uh, or they're, you know, they're hanging on the back end of the airplane and the airplanes flying them um, rather than, Hey, I'm running the airplane and I'm also looking at what's happening a hundred miles in front of me through my mind's eye. Uh, because I'm just listening and absorbing the information uh, rather than having to think, what switch do I need to flip right now? And what do I, you know, what do I need to be doing mechanically with my hands and, and fingers and, and uh, inside the cockpit? Well, if you're stuck inside the cockpit, you're, you don't know what's going on outside the cockpit. You know? With all the flights in deployment in, in, in war zones that you, have, that you did, uh, w did anything change? So like the first time you did it, it, your heart was probably beating out of your chest. You could, you oh, know, yeah. um, did it, did it ever become, okay, I've done this so many times. Uh, not that you're not worried about it, but that you, there was a more of a sense of calmness and professionalism and all that versus the first time you did it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, because of building that habit pattern and, and building that knowledge base that I could take care of certain aspects without having to focus on it, then I could deal with, uh, reacting to, you know, something happening on the ground where I need to be really intent on, Hey, you know, there's a uh, ground forces, uh, getting shot up or whatever. Well, I've also got my tanker up here that has my lifeblood of gas in it. Uh, I've got to get the gas out of there while I'm listening to what's going on, on the ground to come back and support them. You know, you can't be lost in just take, uh, taking gas you've got to be able to multitask, uh, you know, and, and normally I am a, if you're multitasking, you're doing a bunch of stuff about half as good. Um, but that was a case of you have to multitask and do everything 100% perfect. You can't and, afford and, to do everything half as good. And, and imagine the stress, because if you mess up a tanker fueling, you'll probably blow up, right? Uh, it, you will break an airplane pretty quick. You will um, break an airplane. But in the meantime, you've got guys on the ground going, help us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and if, and if you don't have some of that stuff that you can put into the automatic mode, because you built that repetition, you've built that, um, the, the subconscious execution of it, then you're going to be overwhelmed with what's right in front of you and not be able to deal with the stuff that, uh, uh, 
you know, like, like listening to a JTAC uh, on the ground who, who is calling for air support, well, I might be several miles away and can't see what he's talking about, but I've got to be able to listen to that while I'm sitting potentially on the tanker getting gas, build my picture of what's going on on the ground so that as soon as I get there, I'll look around, find a couple of key checkpoints, cue my brain to the picture that I have built and say, yes, I know what's going on. I know where everybody is and immediately have the situational awareness to affect the problem. You know, if you can only do one thing at a time, you have to come in while the guys are in the middle of firefight. Hey, where are you? Where's the bad guys? What's going on? You're, you're creating inefficiencies, uh, one for yourself, two for the guy who's taking, uh, getting shots, uh, uh, taking at him, you know, and those kind of things, he may not have the bandwidth to go back through painting the whole picture of what's going on. So, um, you know, if I, if I, again, if I, in training, don't develop those habit patterns in that psyche to be able to, to achieve things subconsciously without thinking about it, then I'm never, I'm never going to increase my, uh, my mental capability or my mental bucket to absorb things and deal with it. What's that? It's, it's, a, it's a learned skill that is developed over time with use. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Just, Justin, what's that feeling like when you get a call from your guys on the ground saying, hey, get over here pronto? I mean, just the, the, the senses just sharpen up, the adrenaline flows, you know, oh, yeah. what happens? What's that feeling like? Well, you know, it's, it, it'll immediately make the, the hair on your arm stand up. Yeah. Um, you, you, you get that adrenaline rush cause you're thinking, all right, where am I, where are they, what's the situation? Um, and, and most folks have to talk themselves back from, uh, rush to failure because right. you can come in there with a lot of motion and a lot of energy and screw it all up real quick if you're not careful. So you have to, you know, all right, come off that adrenaline rush. What do I know? What do I not know? What do I need to fill in? And then how do I help solve the problem? Well, with, um, with your ordinance, you're the ultimate problem solver. <laughs> well, you know, it, and you don't want to be wrong. You don't want to, you don't want to drop that in the wrong place. No. Right. Well, no, it, but that's exactly it. You don't, you have to make sure uh, it's, it's real easy to talk, talk yourself into what you think, you know, and then turn around and be totally wrong. You know, so that adrenaline rush, you have to you have to get a hold of that adrenaline rush so you don't rush into thinking, you know, what's going on and do it the wrong way. Um, you know, and, and, and having having the ties in with, uh, you know, with the, the the guys on the ground that I've been fortunate enough to have, I it, it that's made me acutely aware of that. Um, and, it, and it's helped me to it's helped me to, to be able to, to channel that adrenaline rush and use it for peak performance and not getting out of control and, and screwing things up, you know? All right. Let me, let's spin this back to training a little bit. Uh, when you were at your, your peak physical condition in, as a pilot, mm -hmm. what, what was your, what would be a typical training week for you? I mean, and, and I mean, include the the cardio like, like, pro, the like program. Yeah, like a like a weekly training split. What was the what was the most yeah. optimal training split? And again, this is assuming things were normal, nothing 
crazy or unusual. Yeah, assuming that I had I had the the time through the week to uh, re, you know to to put a program in place, uh, I'd work four days a week uh, on strength uh, on on weights. Uh, I would sprinkle uh, probably three, maybe four uh, runs uh, in there a week, um, and so. Uh, Sessions. How long would your how long would a lifting session? Um, I, you know, I, an hour to an hour and a half, probably, okay. because You're because of volume. the volume mm-hmm. volumes that I was doing. Um, as I mentioned before, um, and so you know, I'd I'd work four sets of eight on most everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so it, it, but it would still center around, uh, you know, day one was squats uh, and legs. Day two was, you know, upper body, shoulders, bench press, those kind of things. Uh, usually, like, if, if that was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday would probably be an off-lift, uh, like some sort of uh, uh, mobility and, and running. Um, and Thursday would be a deadlift, uh, some lower body, uh, some uh, uh, assistance uh, legs type things, back pull-ups, all that stuff. Uh, and then uh, Friday, uh, you know, kind of a, a – a, an assistance, uh, little you know, bodybuilding stuff, right. some arms, uh, shoulders, uh, some extra leg things right. Uh, right. with with a run or something like that. Now, in addition to now, your runs, what would you typically do on those? Uh, I'd use three miles plus or minus. Okay, so you're you're knocking that out in what forty minutes? Uh, like in a run? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd I'd use kind of three miles or thirty minutes as my as my okay. you know. So depending on how how much I was doing the running, you know, obviously the times would, uh, would increase, decrease and that kind of stuff. But I'd always want to hit a good solid 30 minutes worth of, uh, of some sort of cardio and, and that kind of thing. Now, were you, were you mixing in your Muay Thai at the same time? Uh, you know, I'd say at the peak of all that, uh, I didn't have a lot of access to it. Um, but, uh, but I, I would routinely shadow box and, and do things like that. And, and it was, it was, at that point, it wasn't the, uh, the forefront of my training. Uh, it was something that I enjoyed and, and, uh, would do on occasion. But, uh, in recent years, I have increased that over just a straight going to run for 30 minutes and that kind well, of that's thing. That's what I was going to ask you, you know, as you got older and, you know, when, when I was first started talking to you that's when you had really increased and eventually and, and towards the end, even more, the more. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so did you find that more effective or at least as effective as going for those runs? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you go put out for an hour session of uh, Muay Thai and kickboxing and all that kind of stuff. You, you've, you've outworked the 30 minute straight line run, you know, uh, by, by leaps and bounds. So. And, it, and it's a different quality of cardio. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's more, it, it the, the, you know, the kickboxing and martial arts stuff falls more in line with the, uh, you know, working through four top sets, four good sets of, of your squats and deadlifts where you're turning it on, turning it off, turning burst, it on, turning burst, it off. Burst, recover, burst yeah, again. Absolutely. You know, across a 60 minute session instead of that constant 30 minute uh, at a certain level uh, type and, of thing. And if you're working with an opponent, you don't get to set the pace. Right, right. That's, that's critical. Also, if you're working with an opponent, you've got to be engaged. You're not sitting on an exercise bike texting. Well, that, and that's the thing. And, and that's another analogy to flying is now I got to be locked into this guy. 
You know, Combat. I'm watching the whole time, and I'm noticing Combat. every every time he blinks his eyes, you're noticing it, man. That's, that's yeah. the same kind of concentration, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And what about training consistency when you guys are on deployment? Because give us an idea of how long you guys would deploy for on a carrier. How long would you be on there? A month, uh, two, three? Well, the last one I did, uh, we were supposed to have been home in six months, and uh, I showed up uh, four and a half months late. And uh, so, so you were ten, I, ten and a half months. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ten and, a, ten and a half months. Yeah, it, it was a, you know, uh, you know, I mean, this is why our other friends, they, they had to change it around because it, it, it created incredible divorce rates. Oh, yeah. I'm serious. Uh, I'm, they, they had to change it around because the divorce rates were soaring because these guys were getting deployed forever. Ten and a half yeah. months. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, the, training, I, the training consistency, you should have been able to keep up right but they got some nice gyms on those ships i've supplied yeah. a lot of them Submarines oh, too. Uh, well uh, you know when we built uh when we built the nimitz class carriers and uh started them in the 50s uh uh strength and conditioning training was not the forefront of uh the the reason they built certain rooms <laughs> on that thing so um you know we, we we had i would say that uh given the spaces that we had uh the we made do of what we had. The gym was pretty decent, uh, and I was fortunate on the last uh, one we were on the the Lincoln that uh, they had taken a little space in the uh, in the hangar bay and put a, a Connex box full of equipment out there and had a big um, kind of one of those rogue uh, uh, pull up racks, you know. So it's a big square with lots of different hanging points. So. Mm -hmm. Really put a lot of people in there that want to do pull-ups and, and various things, and they had they had good bumper plates and um, a good good size Connex box full of bumper plates, so you could get out there and work in the hangar bay. But I, uh, like, but it's still, uh, I mean, but for you know almost five thousand people, it's still not near enough space. Not you know? enough. Uh, no, but yeah. uh, but but to your question, sorry, I got got a little off there. To your question, the you know when 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 life is no longer a daily impact because you're out there and isolated and you're, you're working, you're eating, you're sleeping and you're working, you're eating and sleeping. You can build in a really, really good routine, uh, for, for working, uh, working out and training and stuff like that. Well, that's, you've got some, all, that's, that's what all our guys do, right, Jim? Yeah. They're deployed. Yeah, they all, I mean, they that, all that, can't wait to go on deployment. Yeah. It's the same, it's same thing. Exactly the same thing. Also, our system is, uh, I don't know, it's like an accordion. It, it can be shrunk down to as little as one day a week, but, it, but you know, it can also be expanded. Yeah. Right? You and, can and the exercises too, Marty. Like, if you only have yeah. 20 minutes, just squat and leave. Yeah, that's it. You know? yeah. yeah. On the other hand, if you got two hours in your board, we yeah. can fill that time for you. Yes. Yeah. No problem. And that's, and, you know, and that's what, you know, you get out on deployment and like, well, you know, I'm, I'm working where I sleep and, uh, I never go home, so hey, I know I can I can carve out an hour and a half to go do some cardio and hit the gym, and, and I can get all that done, or I can split it up because I can do one in the morning, I can do one in the evening because it's never I'm never going to go anywhere, and I don't have to worry about driving home to take the kids home to right. uh, or take the kids down to the ballpark, you know. So uh, there's a lot of things that get cut away when you leave and go on deployment that actually makes life a little easier, but uh, uh, doesn't mean that it completely goes away it's always in the background somewhere i remember and, uh, uh, one deployment you were on one ship 
you had a heavy bag on that one. Did this one have a heavy bag? Are yeah, you- uh, that, and that that was what I ended up using. Uh, there was, uh, you know, I'd go lift in the in the hangar bay or, or up in the, uh, the the gym above that, uh, and then you know because. I really drew bored of, of just getting on the treadmill and, and running. And so I'd go down and they had a little fight gym. Uh, they had the, uh, you know, the matting laid down on the floor, uh, not the, not the soft matting, but just the, the rubber puzzle matting sure. and, uh, you know, it covered this thing. They had two or three heavy bags. They had a, uh, Omniflex type of bag in there. And, and, uh, there, there were some guys that were boxers and, and such. And so I, you know, we'd go in there and, and, uh, you know, I'd, if nobody else was in there, I'd turn on some something on my headphones. And well, actually, I, I would listen to the uh, Boss Rootin' uh, tracks. You know, that would he'd call it out, and so you'd do it against a heavy heavy bag. So I'd, I'd I'd use that for my cardio for. That's hard, man. It is hard. Yeah, it is. Fifteen twenty minutes. You know, after lifting or whatever. So uh, it, that was much more enjoyable than than uh, than just going and hitting a treadmill that, and staring at a metal white painted wall in front of yeah. you. Marty and, and JP, uh, Justin texted me one time. He was on deployment. He said, man, I just read one of your columns, and I ran in there and hit the heavy bag with no gloves on, and my knuckles are all bleeding and everything, and everybody looked at me <laughs> like I was crazy. <laughs> I guess I had written something that fired you up, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of what that was, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, but yeah, I did. I, I went to sign out a jet the, later that day or the next day my, my knuckles had crusted over and they're like what in the fuck did you do boss <laughs> <laughs> hey hey what about nutrition i mean i've always heard the uh the navy fed you well i i had a, a a grandfather that was in the navy during world war ii and even back then he said the food was good i would imagine for any level of conditioning or fitness that that uh, you want to make your own you can eat that way you can eat good on the ship out on deployment um is that is that right i mean i got good food on the ship uh, you know it kind of depends on uh, how long it's been since the uh, supply ship has uh i've been on i've been on both uh, ends of that spectrum where we were in a position where the supply ships were hitting uh, on a routine basis and, uh, you know, and then I've been where the supply ship didn't come for two or three weeks. Um, and, uh, one thing, you know, one thing that I found, you can always find enough to eat. Uh, and I, like on this last one, I can tell you that I was constantly hungry, um, which is not a bad thing. Um, but I, I was very cognizant of what I was eating. I was able to, uh, eat, um, you know, uh, high, high protein, uh, you know, low carbs, you know, just working vegetables and things like that. Uh, that, that's, that's what I choose to, to try to work through for, for my diet. Um, and, uh, you could do it, but when you're talking about the mass quantities of food that get cooked, it's not always the, you know, the top end stuff. Um, and so, you know, I, I, like I said, I found myself consistently hungry, which wasn't bad because I trimmed down and, um, you know, uh, was able to, uh, uh, really hone myself down a, a lot, uh, which mm-hmm. was good. Um, but just the, you know, to be able to do that at the same time, you put on really good muscle that some of the, the basics in the foods just weren't there to really, uh, to really uh, to, to get everything that you want to out of the perfect uh, nutrition diet. Well, 
I was real impressed. You know, the time, the, the last time the guys and I went out to uh, Virginia Beach, you know, we went and had lunch at the mess hall right there on base. And I mean, I looked at it and it was, they had it all. And Justin, you've been, you know what I'm talking about. They yeah, had yeah. the protein. They had the protein. Oh, well, hang on. Yeah, let, 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 me, let me that, caveat that's, that. That's, that's, the, gr- that's okay. the greatest chow hall in yes. all of America. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, is, that is the anomaly. That is not the norm, you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I, I really truly wish it was. I really truly wish it was. <laughs> I thought they had that on the ship. Uh, yeah, I, no, not quite. Jail, jailhouse chow on the ship. Because I'll tell you what, you could go over to the protein section. You had steaks in there. Oh yeah, chicken breast. Man, it was great. Yeah. No, you know it's it's uh, yeah, like I said, there was no shortage of of. You had to pick and choose. You had to be very thoughtful about uh, about what you're eating if you really, uh, really want to uh, uh, maximize uh, the nutrition there. And and just like anything that's just bulk made, it's difficult to not absolutely cook all the nutrition out of it. You know, yeah. Uh, but it's, it was know. not bad for you because you know you looked at it like a time to trim down. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and it, uh, it, that's what I was getting at. Was right. you can you can choose to do what you want to with it. Um, I didn't particularly want to uh, like really bulk up like I had on previous deployments, um, but I did. I ordered some. Uh, I think Jim, I I'd emailed you. I'm like, hey, which protein powder do I need to get? Um, and uh, you know, so I had some on the side. So if I was like, man, I just didn't get enough out of that meal. Or, hey, it's, you know, 8 o'clock at night and I don't want to eat a whole bunch of stuff. I'd have a protein shake, just something to supplement and, and keep yeah. things moving and uh, not uh, not feel hungry all the time, but uh, not really uh, create a situation where I, I wasn't able to maintain some, some mass. Well, Justin, I need to ask a question. What What's going on with you from this point forward? When You got out when? couple of months ago right uh yeah i'm uh, still in the process <laughs> but okay. what, uh what's what's your future what, what, what do you have in mind uh that's that's still the million dollar question right now uh he's still in the navy he's just not flying yeah i'm not i'm not flying right now oh, uh, and I, thought, so, I thought you retired no no, no I, well so last fall i turned over the squadron uh to to my the guy that came in to to relieve me um, and so, so I'm, I'm still trying to figure out my, my long-term, uh, thing. I'm, I'm, I'm no longer flying. That's true. Uh, but so I'm not, I'm not completely retired. I guess I, you could say I'm retired probably from the flying community, if you will. Um, but, uh, but no, it's, uh, I, I, I'm in the process of trying to figure that out, you know, uh, it, whether or not to, uh, to stick around or, or find something else to do. And, um, you know, but bottom line is, you know, w- all the stuff we've been talking about here doesn't go away. You know, it's, it's, it's the same. It's, it's a core piece of what I do on a daily, weekly basis, um, of, of what I train to. And I've actually, uh, without really kicking the door in on, uh, on, on the guy running the team, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to promote uh, some, some HP types of things just with, with my oldest, uh, my, my 10 year olds, uh, baseball team, you know, to, to make those kids better and, and help establish, uh, baselines of, of training expectations for them, you know, mm-hmm. things that'll make them better in the long run. Have, uh, have your kids, uh, friends seen this video of you on YouTube? 
Uh, I don't know. Uh, I know I know my boys have, and I don't know if uh, any of them around here have or not. But uh, what do your boys say when they see Dad doing well, all this why stuff? You, why don't you describe what what you're talking about, JP? Well, there's a there's a video. So Justin sent me a, a link, and uh, I guess this was your last deployment. Is that what, yeah? Is that what? Yeah, it was. Okay, so the the uh, title of the video is VFA-143-2019-2020 World Tour. And you can go on there, and it's a 15-minute um, video, and it's the last deployment. And, I mean, it really goes through. It's really a totally comprehensive video from start to finish. Uh, the cool thing about this thing is it shows a lot of the crew. It's a lot of crew involvement, what these guys are doing, uh, you know, in the air, the ground crew uh, on the carrier and all that, and just showing the different views from the cockpit. Um, one of the things I really love is when you guys do the flybys on the carrier or the different ships. I want to ask you a question about that because I'm curious. Are some guys, now we've all seen the movie Top Gun and, you know, Tom Cruise <laughs> was hot dogging it by the, by the tower and all that stuff. But when you guys do a flyby by the uh, the uh, carrier, is that sort of a like, uh, hey, look at me, I'm a badass? Or is that like a salute to your crew saying, hey, look at what we're all doing together? It's like a camaraderie thing, like a teamwork thing. What's, what's yeah, it, it's more to it's more to to fire up the guys on the flight deck that are yeah. grinding it day, you know, daily, hourly, and that kind of stuff to. To give them a little shout out, just something to to see the the fruits of their labors and that kind of stuff. Could, could, you know? JP, JP, is it possible for us to to put that link up when we post J, uh, Justin's podcast? We absolutely will because I want to I want to show everybody this. I mean, it's uh, oh, yeah. such a great video, so well produced, and like I said, it's it's views from the cockpit and and these and just them doing different maneuvers. And uh, just the flybys, I really love the flybys. There's this one where I don't know who this is, and Justin, you probably know who it is, but in the video, a guy's coming by the carrier, coming in fast and low, and then he just cuts it to the right, right in front of that carrier, and then goes straight up. I mean, some of this stuff you guys are doing is just so badass. It's like, and, and I told you, it's like what you guys are doing, it's like the the pinnacle of, yeah. of what we're of what humans are capable of. Well, Marty like, it doesn't get much better than that. Marty, we'll be sitting on the porch of Virginia Beach out there looking at the ocean. <laughs> Whoa, those, those jets go by, man. It's so cool. <laughs> very disturbing, <Ooh>. very disturbing. Justin, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Justin's like, oh, that was me last night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he took us over. Justin took us over to the, uh, to the hangar. Yeah, man. I tried to borrow one of those Stinger missiles. They didn't like that. <laughs> then we, but he made it up to us by taking us to the officers' club. I think we've been there a couple times, haven't we, Jim? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. We love that place. Yeah, but they're celebrity when you walk in, man. It's cool, man. They, yeah, it's. It, I, I hate to, you know, that I, I was there for a good long while, and uh, it, it was. It, it didn't matter how long I'd been gone or whatever, you know, it was always nice to see Phyllis behind the bar and, you know, run into whoever I ran into, whoever was in town at the time. And it, that is a great, uh, great place for a lot of, a lot of great times, a lot of great camaraderie. I can tell you that. And you can still go. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I, po- I popped into town here about a month ago up there and didn't tell anybody I was showing up, and I just showed up, and they're like, what the hell are you doing here? I'm like, just come to have a beer with y'all. <laughs> yeah, uh, this cover this is a lifetime brotherhood with these with these guys that will just never die out. Yeah, it, it, that's true. That's true. There, there, there are. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it is a lifetime thing. That's for sure. Yeah. Hey, Peter, we cover everything. Well, can I ask him a few more uh, Navy type questions? Because there's a couple of things I'm yeah I'm curious about. Like, um, okay, I want to ask you about call signs. Everybody's got a call sign. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Can't lie about yours. <laughs> so what, yours was what? Teaser? Yeah. All right. How do you guys come up with these call signs? Uh, it's usually for something, at least in the Navy, it's probably something uh, stupid that you've done that you don't <laughs> want to remember. Okay. Uh, it's, it's never anything cool. If it's something cool, you're not going to get that call sign. Oh, all right. So it's meant yeah. to be sort of, uh, you know, not so demeaning, in, but like yeah. a inside yeah. joke sort of thing. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Demeaning's good. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, tell us about breaking the sound barrier? Now, is there ever a reason to break the sound barrier? Tell us about the first time you did it. Do you know, how, do you know what the sound? Bar- do you know what the sound barrier is, JP? The speed. Yeah. Um, come, on, come on, man. I don't know. What is it, Jason? 752? Uh, 752, I think. Yeah. That was pretty good. Um, you know, it, it, honestly, it's there's not a there's not a whole lot to it from the cockpit um, because you just you just don't feel it. You you just see the the numbers tick up on the on the uh, gauge and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, I'm faster than speed of sound. But now, and, the, and the sound is behind you, right? Oh yeah, it's way behind you. That's in the um, rearview mirror. You know, that's not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, now, now, sometimes depending on the the humidity of the air, you'll get that cotton ball that'll build up around the airplane, and you can see that stuff popping off of your wings. Um, and so, when you see those videos with the, uh, you know, the 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 jet flying, that cotton ball popping and disappearing, popping and disappearing. It's uh, you know that that's a nice humid day that makes for good uh, uh, good views. Um, but uh, yeah, the the sound will be behind it uh, as the air closes back down uh, behind it and things like now that. That's that's called a vapor cone, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And that's when that's when you're going so fast that the air uh, the, it causes the air to form condensation. I guess. Well, it just because you know because you're pushing through the air so fast, it's compressing that air along the front of your airplane, and it's yeah. just making it condensate. Uh, and a real dry day, you're not going to see that. But in a humid day, obviously, there's more uh, condensation in the air, and so it, it compresses all that down, so you can see it. Same it's, same concept as the cloud forming up in the sky. You know. Yeah. Just so when you get a call from the guys on the ground, I mean, is that, are you breaking the sound barrier? If you're way far away, are you breaking the sound barrier to get to those guys? Uh, uh, it kind of depends. Um, maybe, maybe not. Depends on what the end state is. Um, and I, I, I don't want to get too far into that because that kind of may, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think any of the, uh, I don't think any of the, the, the dudes that we would be worried about are probably going to listen to this podcast, but I'm not sure. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it just kind of depends um, that sometimes you want a certain effect and, and you will do certain things 
to achieve the effect that you need, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, it, but yeah, you, you hustle, hustle to get where you need to get, uh, and then, uh, and then, uh, use what you have to your advantage. Can you say, can you say what the fastest you've ever, ever traveled is? Um, let's see. I think I took, uh, one of the old, uh, Hornets that I used to fly. I think I got that thing up to about one, five, maybe one, 1 1.5, 1.6 Mach. Um, which is how fast? Uh, uh, well, it's the speed of sound. Uh, Mach is plus, the speed plus, of sound. So, again, half. So, about 1,000 miles. About 1,000 uh, miles an hour. Yeah, something, a rough, rough guess, yeah. Damn. So, when you originally got – you have an interesting story, actually. I don't want to go backwards, but this is a uh, interesting story, how you became interested in flying. Um, <laughs> tell us that just real quick, because that's a kind of a good story. Well, so, um, let's see. So growing up uh, where I did, um, you know, there was a, uh, there was a guy out here that ran the airport and uh, he was a crop duster with a big old yellow biplane ag cat, <laughs> 600 radial engine on, on the front. And that thing was awesome. You could hear it long before you ever saw it. And, uh, <clears throat> and he used to, you know, he'd spray our, our cotton fields and everything. And uh, so we, we, people would come from miles around actually to watch him work. Hmm. And, uh, and, and my dad knew him pretty well cause he'd go down there and order a load of, of stuff to, to spray the, spray the field with. And, and he knew, so he knew us. So every now and then <clears throat> come home from school or, or something and there'd be these little paper stringers all over the yard. Like, ah, guy, uh, guy Lundy must've been flying by here. Cause he, what he would do, he'd find our house and he'd throw his little, his little wind markers out on top of our house. <laughs> and, uh, and then occasionally he would fly close enough and he'd see us out in the yard and he'd come buzz our house. Mm. And, uh, I mean, but buzz in our house is a, a relative term. Cause I mean, at one point my dad had left the sunglasses on the counter out at the airport. Well, guy called him before he took off and said, Hey, I'm going to drop your sunglasses off. Well, he came and flew down between my house and barn and threw the sunglasses out in the grass. Oh, man. <laughs> of course. And, uh, <laughs> you know. And, Were they and, any good after that? What's that? Uh, Were they any good after that? I, I, I don't recall, but uh, <laughs> it, was, it was still pretty damn cool. I mean, he was probably seven feet off the ground when he came through our yard. Now, did he ever take you up in the plane? Well, yeah. So, fast forward from, you know, being a little kid there to – uh, when I got into uh, got into college and and had the opportunity to uh, start flying and stuff, uh, I came home. I was like, "Hey, Mister Guy, I'd like to go flying with you." I thought I was just going to go up and and hop in. And we we're going to tool around. Well, he threw me in the pilot seat and was like, "All right, here you go. You want to fly? You're going to learn how to fly." It's like, what? <laughs> okay, here we go. You know, so I jumped in with him and and he started teaching me how to fly. Uh, a little uh, Piper Cherokee, and so uh, I started doing that. And you know, and, and at the same time, as at the you know at the Naval Academy, and I, I I knew that I wanted to try to try to fly and uh, apply for a pilot position and stuff. So, um, you know, it, it I wouldn't say that it gave me any kind of leg up or anything like that, but I had a I had a better understanding of of things in the air as I got into flight school, uh, you know, and so it probably helped me out to some degree. 
to have have learned uh, some things under him. And and I'll tell you, he he really taught me a lot of basics that I started seeing not being taught in flight schools. Um, and uh, and so I even got questioned by by some of my Navy instructors about why I was doing things. And I, and and from a basic airmanship standpoint, I knew they were absolutely right, and they they, they told me uh, that I shouldn't be doing them. Uh, because I was flying a jet or whatever it was, and I was like, "Yeah, okay, I, I appreciate that." But uh, but there are some things that have been drilled into me, much like with physical conditioning. I was like, "I'm not going to not do these things in order to maximize how my airplane performs." You know. Right. Let me make sure I understand this. You were using crop duster techniques in a multi-million dollar jet. <laughs> uh, if you simply want to put it, uh, you you can put it that way. Good. That's They're some, kind of related. That's, though, some, country, that's some country logic there, bro. Right. Hey, Marty, that's minimalism, baby. That's yeah, that's yeah. Right, man. That's minimalism. Yeah. What? So was it? So when he started taking you up, is it, were you like, okay, this is what I'm doing in my career. I just know it now. It's clear. It was for for some reason I don't know why it it nat it came naturally to me, and I and I knew how to maneuver the airplane uh, around from the get go, and knew how to keep it balanced, and knew how to put it where I wanted to put it without having to think about it too much, um, and so th just the flying piece of it uh, uh, kind of came naturally, um, it, you know, to to the point where as I got into learning tactics. Um, uh, uh, an old boss of mine who I still talk to on a regular basis, uh, who is uh, pretty high up in the Navy now. Uh, he at one point sat me down and, and uh, cause I was, uh, on outside of work, I was running around partying hard and, you know, tearing, tearing around town on my motorcycle and everything. And, and he was like, you're a pilot with a biker problem. <laughs> And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you were a biker with a pilot problem. Uh, very, very well could have been very well could have been. Um, but you know, and so, so some of that natural tendency toward flying, um, you know, it, it did lend itself uh, to almost bite me in the ass uh, a couple of times because I could roll. I found myself relying until he kind of slapped me in place. You know, um, I found myself relying on some natural, uh, talents, I guess, rather than really continuing to focus uh, on what I was doing. But, uh, but ultimately it goes, it just goes back to, to learning from, from Guy Lundy, you know, about, about how to do those basics and do them well. Uh, and, and like, like you said, Jim, that, that minimalist, you know, learning those basics is, of airmanship. Is he still around? Have you talked? No, unfortunately not. He, uh, he died in 2001. So, so let's see, what, what year did you go in? Uh, I got commissioned in 2000. 2000. So yeah. he probably had no idea what you ended up doing, right? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I talked to him a lot when I would come to and from uh, home during flight school and stuff uh, okay. up until that point, you know. So I'd go see him, and he'd always ask me what was going on and, and how things were going. And he'd, he'd look at me, and he'd give me a, hey, you're not screwing it up, are you? Like, don't screw it up. I'm like, okay, yes, sir. He must have been really proud of you. I mean, was he aware or did you ever tell him that, hey, because of you, this is where I'm at today? No, I mean, I, you know, I did, he I was halfway through flight school when he died. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I never got to really uh, talk to him about it, you know, because I was still getting my butt kicked in, in flight school uh, at that time, which which he always enjoyed. He's like, well, good. You'll be better for it. <laughs> Uh, I saw one of your interviews and uh, 
it's funny, and, and this is just a good example of how you really push yourself uh, to the limit. You said, hey, look, everybody's landing on a 12,000 foot runway. I want to land on a 700 foot runway. Not as many guys can do that. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> and, and it's moving at the same time. And yeah. you're doing some of this, you know, in the video, there's one of the uh, shots is you guys landing at night and you can't see anything except for a few flashing lights. That's yep. crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. Uh, and I guess, you know, that, that was, uh, th there were, there were several factors that, that went into, uh, you know, me kind of lighting off on, on that trajectory to, to want to do that. But uh, you know, when I was in high school and, and kind of had this, uh, idea that I wanted to go fly, um, and, and go into the Navy to do it, a lot of it, you know, being ignorant to everything else around it, a lot of it was just that was like, Hey, anybody can go land on a runway that's not moving away from you, but like, I, I want to go do the hardest thing I can find. And, and that's pretty, it was pretty damn hard. <laughs> What, how much harder is a night landing compared to a day landing? Uh, kind of depends. Uh, if the boat's rocking and rolling, uh, it, it's hard to get in sync with it. And you just don't have, uh, I mean, imagine driving down the road, you know, your visual acuity at night is, is not as good. Your depth perception is not as good. Um, you, you have to, you know, if you get complacent driving down the road at night, you, you end up off in a ditch or, uh, you know, you, lean into the car next to you or whatever it is, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot harder, uh, in some, some, uh, aspects, uh, in, in others, it's a little easier, um, in the, in the way that we go about it, uh, to minimize some of those variables and, and kind of keep the bumpers on it a little bit more. Um, and, and there was, there was a period where I was more comfortable at night than I was during the day because we'd done it so much. Um, you know, but, uh, but I tell you the daytime part of it, just for some of that stuff you see in that video is always a lot more fun, uh, just because you can see it and, and it's a little more of a visual, uh, evolution than at nighttime when nighttime is a little more of an instrumentation, uh, driven thing. Yeah. Now, did you ever miss the cable? Uh, yeah. Uh, there are those who have and those that will, and everybody else is a liar. <laughs> really? Yeah. It, it, so nah, every, every, everybody has missed that at one point or another. So what do you do when that happens? Just floor it? Yeah, pretty much. You just, wow. as soon as you feel the wheels touch down, you go full power. If the, you know, if you've grabbed the wire and you're stopping, you stop and pull the throttle back and, and start taxing out of the way. If you don't, then you just go around and keep going, come back and try it again. And you've got like all of one or two seconds to make that decision. Well, I mean, it, it, uh, again, just like everything, like I was talking about before in terms of, uh, the, uh, getting procedures into your subconscious, into your, uh, second nature, you know, it's, it's not a decision, you know, it's, it's once you feel that the jet touches down, you do certain things to set yourself up for going around. And if you don't go around, then you, then you stop, you know? Wow. So it's not really a decision point at, at that at that uh, that juncture. It's just uh, do some procedures and then uh, follow-on procedures will uh, will come. Right. So. One last thing I want to ask you. Um, I don't know how much you can talk about this, but uh, you know, say what you can. Uh, with all the information and, and videos that we've been seeing on uh, 
internet and television about all these uh, these UAPs and UFOs and Tic Tacs and things that are going in the ocean. I mean, can you talk about anything that, that you might have seen out there? And, there? and there was also recently a pilot that came on and said he was stationed out at Virginia Beach. And he said every day that he went up, he saw something out there. I don't know what you can say about that. I, I, I personally have never experienced any of that. Um, I, I, can't, I, I can't, you know, so I can't educatedly talk about it. Now, what I, what I will say is, you know, in the air, there's all kinds of things in the air. And you find those mylar balloons, you know, for birthday parties floating around and yeah. various things. And it's, those are easy to pick up sometimes, you know, um, it, but I have honestly no idea um, without uh, I saw that 60 minutes clip uh, about mm. their, their thing. And um, yeah, what validity there is to it. I don't know. You know, I mean that I know that uh, the one guy was the commanding officer of the squadron and the, the, uh, the, the girl was his wingman or what have you, but yeah, you know, there, there, there may be, Ah, shit, I, 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 don't, I don't even want to dive off into that because I'd be completely talking out my ass. Right. <clears throat> the, thing but, that's, yeah. the thing that you think about, though, is, you know, I don't think we uh, investigate some of these very much. And what if that was China or Russia that had some weird looking new aircraft that they're, they're spying on us with? Who knows? Yeah. You know, kind of scary. Yeah. Uh, it, obviously, the uh, it's open to interpretation and it's open to, yeah. you know, being any possibility, I guess, but, uh, me, uh, my, me personally, I've, I've never experienced any of that kind of stuff or, or, uh, uh had any dealings with it. So. Okay. I just thought I'd ask you that real quick, but, but like, like you, like, I think when that 60 minutes thing came on the other day, uh, I had probably 15 texts. What the hell is this? What's going on? <laughs> I bet People. I don't know. I'm in the middle of Tennessee right now. I'm enjoying my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> Well, all right. That's, uh, we've learned a lot. We've, uh, got some good training talking, some really, uh, informational stuff here from a pilot's point of view, which was very interesting. We've never talked with a pilot on here. I don't think about how they, you know, mesh their training in to help them perform with their jobs. So this was all really good stuff. We appreciate it. Well, it's been my uh, pleasure. It's, uh, it's always, Always fun to hang out and, and bullshit with y'all. So I appreciate yeah. the opportunity. And, and I know I speak for the guys and our audience when I say, uh, you know, thank you very much and thank you for your service and, and for keeping us all uh, safe here at home. You and your, your squad and everybody else there on the ground crew and everybody else that's involved with, uh, you know, the Navy and uh, armed forces and just keeping us safe. So we appreciate it. Certainly. My pleasure. It always is. Uh, last thing I want to say is uh, check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. Uh, you'll find his latest article, Make Meal Frequency Part of Your Transformational Arsenal nice. on our website now. So make sure you, uh, oh, also make sure you check out his Instagram at the Marty Gallagher. Uh, and his, what is Stacy's website? You want yeah, to say website. what that is? Functional hyphen strength.org okay so go to that and it's all things gallagher go to that and then uh and then what did you write this week steel 
Uh, I only get a month, uh, once a month, Marty. Oh, okay. Well, what you do? What, what are we working on? Something different, I hope. I'm tired of reading the same thing about squats and whiskey. Hey, I can write more. All right. Well, let's have something different. Hey, I, I, I like that. That's different. Hey, you forgot hunting. Jimmy's, a, Jimmy's turning into a one-note guy. He's got to talk about his sensitive side, his feminine <laughs> side a little more, okay? We need the whole gym. This one is going to be about um, summertime workouts, getting outside and what yeah. work to, to not interfere with getting stronger or yep. gaining muscle, but still get a great uh, cardiovascular workout. That's our favorite. That's the one you're writing now. That's what I'm writing now. Yeah. Okay. So you'll have that to us in what a couple of weeks, I guess. Yes. So do you train in the deck, Jim? Love the deck. Uh, the deck, great. Yes. The, the sun is. It's been about 85 here for the last three days. I just take my uh, my little radio thing out there and put on the boss rooting, uh, <laughs> calling out the punches, and then Max does it too. My nine year old's done it the last two days with me. He did all ten rounds, man. Ooh. Damn, that's hard. Yeah, it is. I'm telling you. And, uh, you know, you got to – I huff and puff less when he's out there because I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Give him another three years. Yeah, yeah. man. I know, I know. It's getting to that point with everybody, man, with all my kids. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway. I know for uh, for uh, for gym, re uh, gym equipment-related stuff, any uh, rubber flooring needs, you can go to Iron Company. Justin's, Justin, we've sent you some stuff. Yeah, yeah, I got the uh, what I get. I got a whole stack of weights, and uh, yeah. I can't remember what yeah. I got, y'all, and and what I got from my buddy here uh, who sold his stuff out of his garage. But yeah, I got I got a whole bunch of Iron Company weights in the gym, in the garage right now. And you got it when everybody was out, and it was tough to get. Yeah. And uh, Heck yeah, so you had to pull I some was, strings with us to get this stuff. I was very, I was very thankful for that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. It was tough, but uh, we got them shipped out. Um, and that's it. I, let me mention your video again. If you go to YouTube, you want to see uh, Justin and his guys flying and doing some crazy stuff. Go to VFA-143-2019-2020 World Tour. Yeah. Um, and you'll see, uh, you'll see some great stuff in what these guys do on a daily basis. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to mention, Justin? Anything you got going on? I don't think you have any of that kind of stuff or a website or anything, right? No, I don't. I'm uh, I'm about as unplugged as I can be. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame you, man. We appreciate you coming on, brother. Really appreciate it's it. Hey, it's, it's been awesome. it's been a pleasure. It's uh, it's been a pleasure. We uh, need to get together uh, offline a little more. Yeah. Also, Justin, we did. I kind of didn't know. I thought you were retired and moved back to Tennessee for some reason. So uh, we're, we're going to be down. We're going to get down there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got a couple acres and uh, whole, uh, I'm putting in a swimming pool. So we got to, we got stuff nice. to do. Now, in Virginia Beach? No, no, no. In, in Tennessee. Oh, in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's, it, what's your nearest big city in Tennessee? Uh, Jackson. Okay. So, well, out in the middle of nowhere, as uh, far, far as I could get for, for the moment, but, uh, you know. Well, that's perfect. All, All right, right, my friend. Thank you so much. Certainly, certainly. It's been a pleasure. Talk to All you right. soon. All right. Bye. All right, man. Talk to you guys later. All right. Bye.